So you look around the room and it looks like uh, the evil sorcerer's in the room and he says, ha 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 ha, now I will destroy you. What? Why are you talking like that? That that blows. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Did you did you want the paid upgrade today? Uh, yeah, I was gonna see if we could go without it for today, but after that performance, like, I'm pretty sure we need to. All right, all right. As you enter the caves, open maw and set your eyes upon the evil sorcerer. He turns to face you raises a bony and emaciated finger towards the sky and sneers, <laughs> Now you will die! In this episode of Becoming DM, we continue our conversation about getting paid. Now let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation in progress. A big question when it comes to pricing is what does your market look like? If you are in um, Argyle, Texas, and pricing your DMing services, and you're only wanting to do it in Argyle, Texas, and you're comparing it to somewhere like San Francisco, the pricing is going to be different. I mean, aside from the cost of living, it's just the the addressable market. Like how how many people are there? that might be interested in having a paid paid DM. It's it's a pretty significant difference between the two. Yeah, you you need to have that client base. If if you live in an entire city where only 16 people are interested in this service and it that's two groups of eight people, um chances are you're you're not going to be like super successful unless you start other groups start building interest in it. But that would get pretty labor intensive. Um, but a lot of it depends on what your market looks like, how many customers that you could potentially get. And then, like you said, what, what the actual cost of living is in that area, because if the average income for the area is $20 a month, they're probably not going to you know, pay you $100 for a game. Right. And then uh, I'm tied into that is what, how affluent is, uh, how affluent is the area? If, uh, if you are, uh, if you have a very upscale, uh, more affluent uh, group of people there, you could probably, even if your market is not huge, you could probably still warrant charging more just because, especially if you're the only DM in the area and you find some people that are interested and they have the money to spend, then they're they're probably going to be more open to doing that than somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that if it is in a more affluent area, if if you charge like next to nothing, sometimes that can be seen as as you're Negative not value. good at what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Yep. So you gotta be uh, careful with that. Yeah. Um and then and then kind of understand how you're structuring the pricing. So the the couple of couple of ways that I've seen are per session where you charge for the entire session, regardless of how many people are there, uh, per user or per player, um, where obviously you're paying for the number of players that are at the table, uh, per hour, and and sometimes you'll see per hour tied to those other two. So per user for a, or per player for a four-hour session, per session for a four-hour session, kind of like that. So having that limitation there, um, those mm-hmm. all can kind of combine to help you define how you're going to price that. Yeah, and you definitely want to define those. You can't just say it's it's you know a hundred dollars per session, but then 
one session be two hours and the next session be eight hours, people need to plan around what you're doing. My sessions are all one hour for $100 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Ha-ha. <laughs> um, and, and then once you kind of have considered all this, you might be thinking, like, where do I start with this pricing? Now, you looked at some some prices of some uh, paid DMs online. and um, Why did I? Yeah, and, and you found some that were pretty high. So why don't you kind of talk about those, and then we can I, get I into was... some of my, some of our recommendations. I was honestly impressed by it and a little bit taken <laughs> back. Um, I didn't realize that some people were actually charging that much money and getting paid that much money, um, which was very impressive to me. Uh, mm-hmm. The one website that I found, this person was DMing, and it was 375 or this was a group of people. It was, Anyways, it was 375 for a three- to four-hour session for up to for three to six players um and that was just a private to do and same player count and time but five hundred dollars for corporate which that's that's um getting paid five hundred dollars for three to four hours that seems that seems pretty good to me i mean and honestly for for a corporate (laughs) gig that you told me the pricing for that one and i i was not really all that surprised i figured that that would probably be about what it was in fact I could even see people potentially charging more if they got the right reputation and and could could prove some sort of six sigma skill set that they that they <laughs> empowered with their DMing or whatever. Um, uh, the the individual at at three seventy five for a four hour session for s- max six people. Um, you're talking about about over fifty dollars a person, which is not unheard of, but it's your 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 addressable market is going to be pretty limited. Uh, from just from my opinion, now, I could be totally off, uh, totally out of touch, whatever. <laughs> could be. I guess it kind of depends on how much you want to go play that game, right? Yeah, and it it, it goes back to all the other things we've been talking about. What's your market? Uh, what things are you offering? All of that stuff is going to play into it, so maybe it is a reasonable amount that they're asking. Hmm. Um. I guess I. I think from our perspective, well, I can't. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. Is any time I was never able to find a DM, I just thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just make a whole game, and uh, and then it wasn't a problem for me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? But some people just really don't want a DM, and I could see that being like, I just. I just really want to do this and I can't, I cannot do it. And, uh, it might be, it might be perfectly reasonable. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go through a couple of suggestions that we have for, for coming up with your pricing. And, uh, the reason that I, I came up with this is I, I find that a number of people that I've seen, um, talking about this really price themselves low and, and, at the end of it, you you look at it and go, "Wow, is it? <laughs> if you're doing this for money, go and work at McDonald's because uh, <laughs> they're making more than you are doing this." Uh, so, a couple of the methods. Uh, first one is the price of the movie method. Price of a movie method. So, um, if you're running a game, and let's say you're doing it for four hours, your average movie is two hours, and um, and so compare yourself to the price of a movie. And and 
let's just say that it, wherever you're at, a movie costs uh, $15 for a two-hour movie. So you multiply that by two, $30 for your four-hour session per person. And you, you're, you're, you're kind of comparing uh, entertainment to entertainment. You could make the argument that uh, that your entertainment is the DM is better than that, but you do have to prove to prove yourself before you can make that uh, argument. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but if you do choose to go that way, you can also advertise uh, that they are allowed outside food and drink, and so that might be what makes the difference. <laughs> <laughs> But we've got your Zagnuts here if you want them. <laughs> Raisinets. That's probably what I was looking for. Raisinets. Yeah. What did you call? Well, there's like a candy called Zagnuts. I think they used to be at the movie theaters, but it may also be uh, dating myself there. I have never heard of those. Those sound interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what what else do we got? Well, if you are if you are considering pricing your thing, and and like you said, a lot of people do undervalue themselves. Is as much as I I was jesting before talking about getting paid five hundred dollars for a four hour corporate session. Um, that's four hours that you're actively there. You mm-hmm. still have to get there, set up, and tear down. Right? You have to help people build their characters. You have to build the entire campaign, and chances are that you're building the campaign to suit a particular need. Right? Yep. Or you're reading through an entire module, et cetera, et cetera. So you're not just you're not getting paid five hundred dollars for four hours. You're getting paid five hundred dollars for uh, those four hours. Your travel time, your your food, um, all your prep time, all the materials that you had to bring, everything that you had to pack up. If you actually add up all of the things that you had to invest into doing this, it probably gets a lot more reasonable. And uh, and uh, might not feel like you're ripping them off you know yeah so you do need to consider what the price your time is and and if you let's say that you have a let's say that you have a a game of 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 six players and you're just like oh i i feel like the value i i don't don't know if anybody's gonna pay that much and you go all right i'm gonna i'm gonna charge them ten dollars a player all right, so you 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 got sixty dollars for four hours of DMing, but probably an additional four hours of prep time potentially. So sixty dollars for eight hours. You're not even making ten dollars an hour at that point. And, and so if you're doing this for the money, if you're doing this to try and make a living, that's really not uh, not feasible to do at that rate. So really take a take a, a good look and understand what. Um, what you're charging, what the value of your time is, what effort you're putting into this. And yes, consider the market and understand what people are able to pay, but also understand that your time has value and, and try to find some sort of middle ground between those two. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's saying that you're doing this perf- like you want to make this a full-time gig. If you're just, you know, if you've got a couple local people and you're just charging a little bit to cover your costs, then maybe you don't have to worry about the the I could work at McDonald's for more money because you're not doing it for money. Like, like John said, you're just doing it to compensate for the copious amounts of miniatures or terrain that you've been buying. Um, But also consider that if you're going to be doing corporate events, if you get hired for a corporate event, uh, that pay scale is going to be generally a little bit higher than doing uh, private events for anybody Um, for a couple of different reasons is number one, they are a business. Um, (laughs) 
You know, it's not just a couple of people pooling together their, their allowance. This is, this is a business that's paying you. Chances are they're going to have, um, a couple of particular things that they want you to focus on or touch on and a particular way that you, they want your campaign to be run or things that they do or don't want you to do. There's going to be a little bit more rules, but there's also going to be a little bit more money in it. And, and there may be some additional structure that you would need to be building into that to to not just have it be this adventure, but have this be an adventure with some takeaways to talk about the team building that was had and the lessons that were learned or something like that. Um, but that's generally something that if, if you have the skill set to do that and you put forth some effort into that, uh, that, um, takeaway, it's, you're not going to have to recreate it every time. So, uh, but, but again, that, that allows you to charge more for that, uh, having, having the additional things other than just playing a, a game of D and D having a game of playing, playing D and D, but also learning about the different roles in society that we deal with, with our customers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime somebody rolls a nat one, they have to do a trust fall. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, I mean, I, as I said earlier, that five hundred dollars <laughs> for a corporate event for four hours, honestly, it, I was not surprised, and honestly, I felt like it was kind of low. No, oh, that's fair. So, um, all right, so. Let's talk a little bit about the rules of the road. Um, so these are things that that you probably need to set up with your customers, preferably before you start down this path of, of running the game for them. Um, and it's especially good to make sure that you have them documented and preferably have the players that are paying sign off on these things. So um, who signs off could be different depending upon the organization, the, who you're DMing for. So if it's a corporate gig... You may have the whoever the the manager that's bringing you in sign off on it. Where if it's a, a bunch of individuals, then they would each sign off on it. Um, if it's a birthday party, obviously the the mom or dad that's that's throwing the party probably would, right? Yeah, hopefully it's not like yeah, Timmy will sign it. Just get him to <laughs> read it, and it'll be fine. Um, now- <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say if you even if you have a single person signing, you probably should have some sort of expectation setting with with them and say, hey, I need you to provide this to the players that are going to be there so that they understand what's expected of them. Because if if Timmy stands up and pees on my on my handcrafted uh, DM screen, then <laughs> we're going to have some problems. <laughs> And, and Timmy was at the corporate account, just in case we were wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So things that you do want to cover, uh, you know, ahead of time is, well, first and foremost, it, this is a paid gig. So you want to clear the payment stuff. Um, yep. You have to be comfortable talking about pay uh, because that's what you're doing. Uh, so you need to get first. Well, first of all, you need to get them to agree to your fees and et cetera, et cetera. But also consider if there's going to be a fee for a no show. Uh, also, mm-hmm. what classifies as a no show is somebody being five minutes late. Is that enough stall to the game that it's going to count to like against them or 30 minutes late um, before you're considered a no show? And then, I don't know, you Oh, everybody lunch or something. Um, <laughs> well, and, and and I think that a lot of in a lot of cases the no show just means that you paid for the paid for your spot in the session, and and 
and you don't get that money back. Now, in order to do this, you probably need to take payment before the session happens um, or have their payment on file so that you can run it regardless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you and you definitely want to do something like that because if you're running a session with, say, six people and you've only got six spots and you have people who um, don't show up, who say that they're going to be there, they book the spot and then they don't show up, well, in the limited amount of time that you have um, to continue this as a business, because this is a business, you've just lost um, a sixth of your revenue for the evening. Yep. And so part of this is is going to be part of that kind of no-show policy is going to be, what are the expectations? Uh, when can they tell you, hey, I'm not going to be here without there being a charge? Because there should be some sort of policy in place where if I tell you three days beforehand or a week beforehand or a month and a half beforehand, whatever that policy <laughs> may be for you, if I tell you that, then I shouldn't have to pay for that session. Um, however, if I tell you an hour beforehand, hey, I'm not going to be there. Hey, guess what? Um, that that money is mine. <laughs> yeah, I've already done all of the prep work for you to be here. It doesn't matter now that you don't show up. I already put in all the work. Yeah, and, and some of this boils down to kind of a customer service thing. So some people may say, all right, well, I'll, I'll allow one event like this because I want to keep you as a customer or whatever. Mm -hmm. But after that, the money's gone. Um, or, or you may decide, Hey, my time is too important that for any of this stuff, you signed this contract and this is what we're sticking to. Or pot, or just, uh, instead of charging them the full rate for the session, charge them, you know, a, a no show fee, which is, 10 bucks or something. Not enough that that you're taking the entire payment for the session, but enough that they know that they should have told you sooner. Yeah. Yeah, doing you like know? a like a half of what you would normally charge I think is is pretty reasonable. Um but also again, if it's in your contract, you would be justified to charge the the full amount for their spot. It just depends on what you as the as the paid DM want to do. Absolutely. Just it just is stuff that you need to have in the contract or in the agreement that everybody's signing ahead of time. Um, you just need to clear this stuff. Yeah, and, and part of that when you when you do this, while we're still talking about about payment stuff, is what that payment schedule is going to be. So, and, and the type of client you have is going to going to be a different requirement for that. So, if you're doing a bunch of individuals, and you're doing a six person game. I would probably say that that gets paid beforehand. Um, you you may have a different view. If you're doing a corporate gig, uh, it, it's going to depend upon the on on the company's payment policy. So they may have a, a net thirty after a service is delivered. Um, you may be able to negotiate and say half up front. Um, it, it, but it, it really is going to depend upon that that company. A birthday party, um, maybe like a deposit plus plus the, the party fee after or after the event. So the deposit for her beforehand, a party fee after. Um, really, it's going to depend on the, upon the customers. And you, you do need to spend some time thinking about when am I going to, to bill and how is that going to work? Uh, because depending upon when you bill, it may, it may put some customers in a like not great frame of mind. Yeah. I could also... <laughs> I. Just with running a personal thing, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, just taking a deposit and then you 
do this whole game after you've done all this prep work. And people could still stiff you, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah and that, that gets into where you, you have to have some pretty defined this is this is when I'm going to bill you. I need to have credit card on file or whatever that may be so that you can just charge because the last thing you want to do is for somebody to maybe they got upset because something didn't happen the way that they were hoping it to happen in the game, whatever. And so like, I didn't enjoy that, so I'm not going to pay. Mm, yeah. I'm sorry. We, we had the full session. You were there the whole time. Um, we're We're going to move forward with payment. Now, again goes back to customer service if you want to have some reduced rate to make up for it or whatever you can but i don't know that i would risk doing that too many times because who's to say that they weren't really having fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so when you do have people at a table like that uh you also need to make sure that you define any customer rules that your you as a dm have um because if you have a bunch of people who are already experienced. I mean, it's one thing when nobody has experience, yep. uh, but if you have a bunch of people who are experienced in D&D or Pathfinder and they show up and uh, and they try to do something and you're like, oh, that's... Um, actually, I've got this house rule that none of you were aware of and uh, <laughs> all humans uh, skip when they walk. I don't know. but uh, And it just kind of might change how they would have built their character so it's important to give these people any custom rules ahead of time and also make sure that they agree to them because as much as you might want to have a house rule if all the people who are willing to give you money to do the thing that you want to do say no i don't want to skip everywhere i won't pay for that (laughs) uh, you might just have to toss the rule yeah, and and some of the rules you may have approached with a with a genuinely um, benevolent point of view. I'm adding this rule in to streamline the game so that we can get more enjoyment out of our time. And and in most cases, whatever that decision may be, is probably the players don't care. Um, but it still is worthwhile to say, hey, by the way, for combat, we roll initiative for the entire party at once whatever that may be i don't know that i would do that but whatever it may be um or hey we roll initiative for the session and and we only do that once and and from there it's just all combat is like that whatever whatever it is um this is how i've streamlined the game to to give you more enjoyment out of out of playing the game and have us get bogged down less by mechanics um here's a paper sign it to say you acknowledge that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah do you like quests if so i have good news for you darkwind the sponsor of this episode of becoming dm is full of quests for your character to pursue whether it's finding the components to make a potion dealing with the town bully assembling an ancient artifact or just finding a collar for the local stray. There are a lot of quests to check out, and they're all ranked by level, so you know what you're getting into before you start off. You can play Darkwind and check out all of the quests for free. Just go to play.darkwind.org to start your character today. Now let's get back to the show. And I think uh, another thing beyond kind of those... those um, those custom rules. I think that that's 
that's uh, that's probably I'm I'm gonna guess a minor part of any any sort of paid DM game. I'm gonna guess most paid DMs probably stick to the rules pretty closely, just because that's the easy easy thing to do, and there's not a you don't have to have any argument over about what the rules is because I know the rules. I've run it back and forth 19 different times. That's why you paid me to be here. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing to do is is make sure that everything is squared away with the player's characters um, that they've that they've followed the rules of the game for how to set up their character because. You don't want to get into a situation where Joe is pissed off at Sally because Sally had too many dice when she rolled stats or whatever that may be. (laughs) Um, But doing your due diligence to check those characters to make sure that everything looks correct, because especially um, in those games where you have new players, they may not know whether they're doing it correct or not. Yeah, and uh, something that we found out in uh, the last thing that I did uh, all of the people built their characters with D&D Beyond, which has a character builder in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that character builder does not do anything about equipment. It just puts them on an equipment screen and they can add whatever they want to their characters. And so all these new players were like, oh, this is cool and this is cool and this I've is cool. got 5,000 pounds of equipment. <laughs> yeah. And the other, and they had like five hundred thousand gold pieces worth of magic items, <laughs> right? And it's like, no, no, you're level one. You you can't. You have you have twenty dollars. <laughs> you can't have that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I I did not know that about D and D Beyond. That's crazy. That is that is an important thing to note uh, if you're letting new players build their characters on D and D Beyond because that uh, that can sneak up on you when. You know, you're partway into your first combat and somebody's like, I'm going to kill this goblin with this plus six Vorpal blade. You're like, what? (laughs) 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 It's not. No. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. D&D Beyond said that I could have it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing is like it limits all your other choices. But then when it gets to equipment, it's like whatever you want. You want this super (laughs) rare magic item. Just put it in there. Um, there's not even a disclaimer. Please talk to your D&D before choosing any of these magic items. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I'm lost. <laughs> well, continuing on. Uh, another thing to do that you need to make sure that you do is set expectations for the game. Um, so, one that I really like and I, I think needs to be addressed, especially because of the number of people that I've seen that, like, say that this is a thing if you have a paid DM, um, is just because you're paying me doesn't mean that your character can't die. Your money no. does not make you immortal. <laughs> so yeah, if, and- if you do stupid things and and or the dice just don't come up in your favor, there is still a chance that your character may die. That is not a reason for a refund. Yeah, I could definitely see that being like an actual issue, uh, especially with certain types of people um it might be even worth like if you're having people sign something i would put that into the contract into a into a tabletop rpg contract is that if your character dies you still have to pay me (laughs) yeah yeah well and and uh, so like to that one thing that you could do is you could you could have backup characters that are readily available because Yes, if if somebody dies, you don't want that to be the reason where they suddenly don't pay you to play the game. But at the same time, you want to get want them to get the value for their money so that they continue to come back. So one mm-hmm. of the things you could do is have um, 
NPCs travel with their party. So if 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 Joe's barbarian dies, he can take over the the fighter um, fighter NPC that's traveling with them. Yeah, it may not be exactly the build that Joe wanted, but at least he still gets to play for the rest of the game. Or they could take over the monster that just killed them mm-hmm. to to uh, to go against the party. That might cause some conflict, but I do think it would be funny. Yeah, the the challenge there though is once the once the monster dies, what do you what do you do then? Um, presumably, oh, yeah, you're, you've got more game left to, to go. I mean, if that was the final battle of the of the session, then absolutely do that. That's fun. Um, but if if there's still more to more to go, then then you probably need to have some sort of some sort of backup plan for that player whose character died. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. I was thinking about it being like the end of the session, but it could very well happen at the beginning of a session too, <laughs> and yeah. then you'd be kind of a little bit hooched on that one. So yeah, uh, another thing though, if if they're paying you the same as when you go to the grocery store, you can't you can't yell at the clerk there. They're they're a human being; they have a job, and uh, you will get thrown out of the store for yelling at the. Well, you sh- should. <laughs> you don't always get thrown out of the store, but yes, yeah, you not always. But, but you should, people should be nice to people. Um, but if you're a paid DM, that doesn't mean that you have to put up with rude and obscene behavior. Um, that should be part of your your contract or whatever. Uh, and you know, have a warning system. Be like, hey, um, you're you can't say that kind of stuff to me, or be nice, or you know, whatever it is. And uh, and you don't have to put up with rude behavior. That's that's not your job. Your job there is to facilitate fun and an adventure. And if somebody is being um, extremely difficult, rude, or aggressive, uh, do not put up with that. That's not that's not what you're there for. Yeah, and and to that, it may be worthwhile to look into writing some sort of code of conduct. Um, these are the things that that play and and have it go both ways so define these are the things that are expected of players at the table these are the things that that players should expect from the dm so you're also putting kind of those guardrails around like i i i can't be a jerk to the dm but he can do whatever he wants to me no 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 you put the guardrails guardrails around yourself too just so that it feels equitable and not like you're just passing down rules from on high this is a this is a two-way mm-hmm. street yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a conversation that needs to happen. And I like the idea of putting some in there for the DM too. Uh keep yourself in check, but it also lets them know that even if if you were to just hand those out without a DM side on that, you know what your rules are. But mm-hmm. if you don't address them in the handout, they might not consider that you are keeping yourself to a standard. Right. Yeah, every time I turn around, he attacks my character. Well, that's because mm-hmm. you keep on walking in front of the monster. It's not; ha- it doesn't have anything to do with me. Here's my code of conduct <laughs> of what I will and won't do. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> um, something else to 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 kind of define, and this this again varies depending upon the type of group that you're looking at. Um, it are the basics that you want to do for for really any game. Talk about the style of game that you're going to run. Is this an epic horror adventure? Is this uh, a My Little Pony D&D adventure? Uh, whatever that may be. Um, it's just so that everybody, again, is bought into it. And and since it's a, a paid DM thing, 
you should expect, especially for for that style of game piece, you should expect more um, direction from the players of what they want to play because they are paying you to run this game. So if they want to want to play a an an epic uh, My Little Pony game, then <laughs> then that should be what you are set out to play. And if you don't want to do that, then you say, "Hey, I'm sorry, Mr. Customer. This isn't the kind of game that I want to do. Why? I why don't you go and find another DM that might be a better fit?" Um, it, it's not like you have to do these things, but it is like if you want to run the game for these people and take their money, you're probably going to do the style of game that they want to do. Yeah, it would it would definitely encourage them to continue giving you their money. Yeah, um, which is the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then we've we've talked on this show about um the consenting gaming list and oh, I so huge. I, yeah, and I, I I know that a lot of people that have um a a friend game may forego this because they've known each other for long enough they kind of know what the what the yes and no's, the red light, green lights, uh yellow lights are for for everybody. But as a as a paid DM, you are Run, typically going to be running games 100% with people that you don't know. And so mm-hmm. you don't know what things are going to set somebody off. And it really, I think this, it becomes critical in this sort of situation to to run through that consenting gaming checklist just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Absolutely. it's it's It would be a, a massive thing to remember to do when you're playing with a bunch of people you don't know, especially when they're paying you to be there. They're paying you to have a good experience. And if you don't know, like, about this really huge trigger that that somebody at the table has and they know each other and they know that it exists and all of a sudden you start going down this path and uh, it, it can it can put a real damper on the night really quickly. Yeah. Sally's parents drowned and now you're putting them in a drowning situation. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's not sleeping the night. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever that may be. Again, it, it, it just makes sense to go through the list and, and make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, yeah. You don't want anybody to have a bad time. Yeah. That's not and, the goal. And I know that there are people that are, are very anti consenting gaming checklist um, if you don't want to run a game with a consenting gaming checklist, you probably are not going to be running a, a paid game, if I had to guess. Yeah, prob- probably not. Not in this day and age, anyways. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just, uh, like, once you've decided that you want to be a paid DM, uh, the, the the next step to that is getting your name out there. Uh, like, you need people wait, to wait, wait. know... Pe- People aren't just going to come and throw money at me? No, they're not. Oh. You have to put a sign up or or like write it on your forehead. Uh, maybe make <laughs> yourself a custom T-shirt. Uh, you could paint it on the side of your car with spray paint. Um, but if you're looking for more reasonable solutions, uh, you could set up a web page. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't just spray paint on my car, slide into my DMs. <laughs> you could do both a web page and the spray paint um yeah yeah web pages is definitely good that's again where we can put our our our, our quotes from our customers yeah, a place um, to put them yeah uh social presence 
can be helpful uh, looking at like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that. But I will say that the the one thing to keep in mind, and I I know this from running some of the uh, becoming DM social channels poorly, I might add uh, <laughs> that that you do need to if you're really going to have social channels and have them benefit you as a paid DM, you need to continually generate content. Have yeah, pictures. Yeah, you gotta put a lot of time into that. Yeah. Have pictures of the of the of the scenes that you build. Have pictures of the minis or or if if you have uh, approval from the, the the attendees, have pictures of the games that you run with the people in them, so that people can see that, like, oh wow, this person does have actual people. That's not a made up quote. <laughs> <laughs> that must be Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he on the table? <laughs> um, and before the incident. Um, <laughs> And it, it, the other thing to keep in mind is that that if you're doing things like in-person games, so we've we've kind of been talking, I think, largely like these are in-person, but there are people that get paid for running online games like Roll20 and stuff like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you are running primarily in-person games, then the, the, the impact of that social media presence is going to be somewhat diminished because you are really targeting a specific geographic area that you're going to run your games in. Um, no, it doesn't say don't do it because it, it can still be helpful. It's just if you have fifteen hundred followers, chances are that that a lot of those are are in other areas of the country or world. Yeah, if you're only running games in person and a large portion of your following comes from six thousand miles away, uh, chances are they're not going to contribute to your customer base. Um, until you start getting uh, like t-shirts and then maybe you'll sell a couple to, to them. Um, another way that you, t-shirts, I don't know why, (laughs) just keep going back to t-shirts. Um, another way to get your name out there is, uh, especially if you want to be a local person, this will work not so good if you want to do roll 20 or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, is partnering up with a local game store. It's if they want uh, a, a DM to come in there, even if you're not a paid DM, uh, right? So you can get your name out there by volunteering to DM at the game store as well. And you run ga- you run games at the store either for free for your full rate or for a discounted rate. And they let you advertise there that you also do this for private, corporate, or whatever events. Um, that is another good way to get your name out there. Yeah, and and likewise, you can you can partner where you're running your paid games at the game store because sometimes game stores have have tables that you can you can um, reserve uh, whether for a fee or not, and mm-hmm. so basically they can help you advertise in the store with with whatever means they have available. You bring your your game to the store. And that helps encourage the players to buy stuff there, whether it's books or minis or dice or whatever, um, sodas uh, <laughs> while they're <laughs> while they're playing. Um, so it, it can be kind of a symbiotic relationship where you're helping the game store by bringing in some more business, and they're helping you also by bringing in some more business. Yeah, and it helps the game store look a little bit more occupied. Maybe mm-hmm. on slow slow days, it's like if they're slow night, it's always Tuesday night. That's a pretty good night to bring in games because or because then you have people who drive past and it's like, oh, something's going on. And yep. uh, more encouraging to stop in and not be the person 
who's the only person in the game store when it's your first time in a game store. <laughs> the guy behind the register looking at you and you yeah. looking at him going, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just wanted to look. I didn't want to buy, but now I can't leave. <laughs> yep. Um, so another way to promote yourself is through game finder sites. So there, I'm not going to remember the names of the sites at this point, but there are game finder sites that are out there. Um, uh, you could also have places like Roll20. If you're going to run a game on Roll20, they do have looking for game things, and you can say it's a paid mm-hmm. game through there. So you can do, um, again, if you're on Roll20, there's several things you could do on there. Uh, but also look for, for those those game finder sites. You can also do things like advertise in um, in other kind of local-ish sites. Uh, I'm thinking like your next doors, your... Um, I'm not going to remember any of the other sites, but like next door, oh, you can go advertise on Craigslist. That's do people still do Craigslist? Is that still a thing? I thought that I, they I don't got know. shut down. <laughs> um, but but yeah, you could you could potentially advertise in those local sites like that, um, and and potentially have something come up. Um, while it wasn't a paid game, as as I mentioned before, I actually use next door for um, for finding everybody in my game, and I had more people than I could could accommodate um you could use sites like meetup uh meetup has has some options that's what i was thinking of yeah but you have to have a paid subscription to meetup don't you i think so um but you could also do things like uh facebook groups so i know that that could also just count as part of your marketing fee though right Mm -hmm. yeah um i know that like there's a here in austin there is a uh a D &D gamers facebook group for austin for the austin area and you'll see people post looking for games and stuff like that i haven't seen anybody specifically post about running a paid game but it wouldn't be out of the realm of the possibility yeah for sure and finally is is word of mouth right yeah uh word of mouth is probably going to be your it's in in a lot of ways i think in most industries word of mouth is probably um, one of the most reliable, um, historically speaking, reliable forms of advertising. Because when you when you read an ad that says, "Hey, this is awesome," um, every ad says, "Hey, this is awesome," right? Mm-hmm. But when your friend is like, "Hey, that was awesome," you're like, "Oh, Bill hates everything. He likes that. <laughs> that must be awesome." You know, how and was so that? You're more in- and, and how was it awesome, Bill? And Bill <laughs> yeah. can provide more context of why it was awesome, not just that it was awesome. <laughs> Exactly. And they get a lot more information and uh, generally from a more reliable source, which is where word of mouth can can really win out on that. Um, So you can offer a free intro session to maybe encourage that word of mouth. Uh, Not to mention, if you find one person and you and you convince them that Mm -hmm. they really, really want to try this, well, they get to go find five friends and uh, and that might help, too. Yeah, hey, I, I I would love to run a game for you. Uh, here's the rates, but we need to have some more people because I can't just do it with you. Oh, okay. Let me go see who I can find. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, and and to that, you could have like a a referral award, um, where maybe somebody gets a free session or discounted session if they bring somebody. Now, if you do that, you want to have some sort of cap so that they're not just like bringing you i guess it would be okay 
bringing new people all the time and, and they have like 30 free sessions. But that means you got th- 30 customers potentially as long as they continue just, to play. Just every <laughs> time they bring a new person to the game and on that person's third session with you, you will add a plus one to their primary weapon. <laughs> <laughs> that gets a little risky. <laughs> It does, but you can always have it fall into lava or something if it gets too good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You referred 10 people. Your, your sword <laughs> self-destructed. <laughs> Phil, this, this necromancer came and stole it because it, it was the best sword in the land. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's all we wanted to talk to you about. Um, getting paid as a DM, uh, as I as we mentioned at the beginning, it can be a controversial topic in some circles. I don't think it has to be. I think as long as you realize what it is and what it isn't, which we talked at the beginning of this whole thing uh, mm-hmm. about, um, then then it should be fine. Um, so thank you for joining us. As always, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Friend. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.